Whoa, inflation is just out of control. Uh, but I think there's going to be a lot more of it before we go into a big deflation. And I'm hoping that, uh, that the, the, there is inflation and the markets keep on going up and the economy sort of holds together for a little while. I just want a little bit more time to be prepared for what is ultimately going to happen. And it will be uh, very deflationary. Uh, ultimately, it's going to be deflationary in all of the assets. At goldsilver.com, we have a price match guarantee, free shipping, and global storage options. Get the best-selling book, Guide to Investing in Gold and Silver, for free at goldsilver.com. So, let's go right to the horse's mouth, or should I say the horse's butt, uh, the Bureau of Statistics, the BS. Oh, wait a minute, that's the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the BLS. And take a look at inflation. And what I like here, this goes back uh, to 2002. So we've got some historic reference here and you can sweep along this thing. And we're at 8.5%. But look at how steep this climb is. Uh, every month, inflation is not slowing down, it's accelerating. It is higher. Now, you know, this is year over year. So when we get to July of next year, if this is still at like 8%, it's going to be stacked on top of that 5% increase that we had last July. So uh, what I do like about this chart, you can play with this thing. This is all items. You turn that off. Food at home is up 10%. Energy is up 25%, uh, and it's been several months in a row that it's 25% uh, year over year, so that month a year ago. And uh, then you've got electricity. I've got to turn off the energy to, for the, to auto scale. 10%. I'm going to get to more of that in a minute because I'm going to show you what I'm paying here in Puerto Rico. Uh, and then uh, this one always cracks me up. All items, less food and energy. When they talk about core CPI, they always strip out the only two things that you will die for lack of. They strip out food and energy. So the things that you absolutely have to survive, uh, they eliminate those <laughs> from inflation. I just always thought that was a crack up. But uh, all the stuff you don't need is going up at a rate of 6.5%. <laughs> so... Uh, you, know, you should go and uh, play with this. This is actually fun. Uh, gasoline uh, up, wow, 56% in May of last year, 58% uh, in, uh, in November. And this, this isn't stopping. This is going to, it, we are in for, I, I think there's going to be some acceleration of inflation for a little while. I'm going to show you why in a few moments. Uh, but let's move on from this uh, graph. Uh, this is uh, the a CPI graph that Jeff Clark uh, sent me this morning. And unstoppable CPI, now it's Russia's fault. This is where the Fed said, oh, well, yeah, there's inflation, but it's transitory. It's just going to be like for a couple of months, and then prices will level off and inflation will not accelerate. <laughs> <laughs> the Fed just, they are so wrong so often, just consistently wrong, and they caused this. 
and so now it's Russia's fault. Everybody's blaming, oh, Russia is causing the inflation. It's the invasion of the Ukraine that took place <laughs> toward the end of February here. Remember, February only has 28 days. Uh, and so uh, we're at 8.5%. So a tiny bit of the difference in, in this is because, you know, you got to look at how much stuff the United States buys from Russia. Now, there is going to be some very large inflation that's due to Russia in Europe. And then that will eventually throw, flow over to here because of, our, because of trade. Uh, so you will see some of the Russian inflation creeping in eventually. But, them, but, but the press blaming Russia right now uh, and the administration, it's silly. Uh, it, the, the inflation that we're experiencing has nothing to do with Russia. I'll show you that in a minute. Uh, so uh, this is a great article on Zero Hedge that has a lot of this. But what we're seeing here is the highest rates of inflation since uh, 1981. So uh, this, I, I love being able to see things in a historic context like this. Uh, it's got some great, this is month over month uh, uh, rise. Uh, and it's got a breakdown of the different sectors of uh, goods and services and food and energy and so on. Uh, but what I really like is going down to this heat map. Uh, this is very important here. Uh, this is April of last year, 2021, and this is March of 2022. So each column is a month and it's showing you the heat map, the red, bright red, is the highest levels of inflation. And what you're seeing is that's all in energy. So get ready for more future inflation because even if you're a service, a chiropractor has to pay his bills. Part of that is the electric bill and filling up his gas tank. And so energy is a big part of all of the other sectors here. There is no sector that uses zero energy. All of these use energy. And so uh, these rises uh, for these few months will flow over into all of this and help accelerate all of those as well. So Brad Palumbo, he writes for Foundation for Economic Education, says the dotted line is Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Oh, wait, it's not. It's Biden's inauguration. Well, it doesn't matter really what party was in power. This is a bunch of currency creation coming back to haunt us. And it isn't just pumping up the the stock markets and asset prices because that isn't where it's the only place that it's flowing these days. When they wrote a bunch of checks and sent them out to people uh, and paid people to not work, uh, that uh, is part of what is coming back to haunt us right now. Uh, for those under the age of 40, the, so Edward Gofsky, uh for those under the age of 40, the last time the CPI was 8.5%, the Fed had interest rates over 10%. We've currently got ultra-stimulating 0.25% rates. Rates are going way higher to fight inflation. This will cause the popping of all of the asset bubbles, and that will cause the greatest deflation, I believe, in history, greater than the 1929 stock market crash and the following Great Depression. Um, uh, you know, to fight it, right now, <laughs> any bond investor is experiencing about 8% negative rates if you're um, so and here is the big joke on bonds <clears throat> T 
it's the interest that you are paid on the bonds. You know, you, you buy a bond and it pay, pays you back the principal and the interest is paid from your taxes. You pay taxes to pay yourself back on a bond that's yielding a negative rate, nominally a negative rate, and it's not factoring in the taxes that you've got to pay so that the uh, treasury can pay the principal and the interest on that bond. <laughs> so uh, this is my uh, power rate from the back of my own power bills. So this is power in Puerto Rico. Uh, March of 2021 to March of 2022, we were at 18 cents per kilowatt hour. And then it went up to 25 cents by the end of that year. But wait, uh, you know, I, I could have taken this data and made my own chart, but I didn't have the time. I wanted to get this out right away. So here is April's bill, 29 cents. And the reason I show you both of these is they had already gone from 18 to 20 uh, cents. So over a 13-month period, instead of year over year, uh, eight, from 18 to 29 is 61%. This is enormous, 61%. Now, if you take 61 divided by 13 times 12, you get an annualized rate of inflation right now for energy, in Puerto, for electricity in Puerto Rico of approximately 54%, I believe it is, year over year. So that is huge. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Um, the place that I'm in right now, I knew that I did not want to buy this place. So I'm actually leasing it. And I just got a 40% rent increase. I used to own uh, several places back there right on the beach. Uh, and, uh, but when I found my farm, I, sold the, I just dumped those for uh, what I had in them and uh, bought my farm, which I'm a little sunburned today because uh, uh, I spent uh, the day up there. Uh, I spent three days up there, and I was hiking. Uh, and it's up at 3,000 feet or so. And so uh, I, I got pretty sunburned. Okay, so here is the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, and their broad money, the M3 of all of these different countries. And this chart I've got going back to um, uh, 1952, I think it is. Uh, there's a lot of data that starts here in uh, uh, 1960 and in 59. Uh, but all of these countries, you can see that everybody has gone insane. Now, this is broad currency. Uh, broad currency is basically the currency that the banks create. It's not created by uh, governments or central banks. It's the commercial banks creating loans. So when you buy a car and you take out a loan, or you buy a house and you take out a loan, they create this currency. It didn't exist before that. And you can see uh, the enormous, you know, from um, about 130 here to um, 165 or so on this scale. Uh, it's all indexed to 100 uh, in, uh, I think this is 2008 or something like that. Um, I can't re-index it on their site. <clears throat> but what you see is that there's, you know, all every country looks like a third world country, except for maybe Japan for some reason. <laughs> they haven't created that much excess currency. They were creating a lot of it here. Remember, this is broad currency, and their economy 
uh, crashed back in the late 80s. And, uh, uh, and since then, they haven't been borrowing as much currency into existence. But look at, uh, you know, here we've got uh, South Africa and there are, there's Russia uh, and there's the United States and here's Hungary. We all look like third world countries today. So that was broad money. Well, uh, what can happen if rates are low and it encourages borrowing? Uh, what, is, what, what is the monetary aggregate that they uh, actually use to uh, pyramid this broad currency that's borrowed and you know you have to you're supposed to have some reserves we used to have required reserves the federal reserve did away with that now instead of fractional reserve lending it's no reserve lending there is no reserve so the federal reserve uh, said that there's no reserve required for fractional reserve so <laughs> okay so here is narrow currency Narrow currency includes banknotes and coins plus overnight deposits. What are overnight deposits? That's uh, repurchase agreements. That's uh, things like uh, it, it's when it, one bank um, uh, uh, puts currency into an, another bank. Those are overnight deposits. And this has absolutely exploded. The OECD total here uh, has gone from about uh, one twenty. 125, 130, up to uh, about 460 <laughs> in just a few years. But what's this line way up here? Oh, it's the United States. And since it represents so, such a large percentage of the world's currency, it drug this, uh, the OECD average here way, way up. So we've got, uh, you know, there's Chile, uh, Hungary. Uh, so you've got all the other countries down here. Some of them seem sane, like Denmark. Others seem insane, like the United States. So this is the economy. Uh, this is a printer, and this is the print button, and this is Jerome Powell or the people at the Treasury, Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen. It's, it's everybody that's been involved in this. And you hit the print button, brrr, and it fills up the economy. Brrr, the economy starts heating up. And then uh, it, the virus did it. It's transitory. Inflation is good for you. It's the greedy corporations that caused it. Now it's Russia's fault. <laughs> so we've got a couple of memes here. So stick with me. That's not the end. Uh, um, so this is... Uh, Heinrich Zieberg, and uh, he says that uh, the, he's retweeting here, uh, inflation is transitory caused by supply-demand challenges, not because of QE. Why? M2 velocity is still very low. Inflation is already peaking. Uh, equity bubble is largest ever. Feds, the equity bubble, when that pops, that will be hugely deflationary. Uh, Fed's aggressive QT, quantitative tightening path, will 100% pop equity bubble and cause most massive deflationary bust since 29. I think it will include 29. But let's take a look at these charts real quick, and you'll see that, uh, that velocity is somewhat flat, though, since 2020, where the you know, velocity, the reason that this fell off of a cliff is be you're measuring the total number of 
uh, times a dollar circulates in a year in the M2 currency supply. And if you uh, have twice as many dollars, uh, but you've still got the same amount of transactions and the same amount of goods and services, it means velocity has to fall by half. Uh, and so the velocity fell not because uh, you know, this is, this is along with the, uh, you can see velocity fell in the crisis of 08 because of the expansion of the currency supply. So this is a combination of the expansion of the currency supply and the lockdowns and such. Um, uh, Tavi Costa, uh, the setup is here. If silver were to follow other commodities, it would have, it would imply a massive appreciation from current levels. And what you see here is uh, silver's price in white and in red you've got the S&P equal weighted commodity sector index and he's uh, aligned these so that they overlap and this is a great chart and what I find interesting is not only is there this big gap but uh, the back in 2011 when silver peaked um, the commodities index was nowhere uh, you know it was it was much below where it is right now. Silver is the opposite. It was above. And so not only should silver rise to match that at $50, but it should blow way past it. We'll see what happens. And here is the meme. Dad, how did you get so rich? I realized that the financial system was a Ponzi scheme and made a big bet on silver while everybody called me crazy. And his son says, freaking legend. I want to thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. At goldsilver.com, we have a price match guarantee, free shipping, and global storage options. Thanks for making goldsilver.com your bullion dealer.